Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Let's Do Brunch with Zwi and Friends. Thank you so much for all the love that you've been showing on social media, all the comments, all the DMs, we see them and we appreciate them. So yes, thank you so much. So today is another exciting episode. Well, I don't know if I should call it exciting because of the topic that we are going to be discussing. But anyway, today sitting with me and having brunch with me, we've already had brunch, by the way, in <laughs> case you're wondering why there's no food here. <laughs> <laughs> but having brunch with me today is Kilewo Hile Ramokopa. Kilewo Hile is a marketing academic. She's a YALI fellow. YALI stands for Young African Leaders Initiative. She's a UN Empower Women Global Champion for Change. She's a life coach. And she's also the founder of Secrets of Sisterhoods. We're going to put her social media handles at the end so that you can follow her and see what all this means and all the kind of work that she does. And welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to have you here. Nice to be with you on a Saturday. Finally. Day, you know. Finally. Yeah. We've been talking on Twitter and on WhatsApp so. for a while now. And yeah, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. But I'm excited that you're finally here. I'm blessed to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And so today we're talking about a very difficult topic, a very heavy topic. Mm. And I hope we brought a box of tissues. Or maybe not. We are str we're strong enough. We're strong we're enough. Strong it's, enough. A, it's reflections of our topic. Yeah. And I think we, we've gathered the strength yeah. and the stability now to be able to share our journeys. And to get to this point. Yes. Yeah. So today we're talking about miscarriages, mm -hmm. everything that has anything to do with miscarriages, the stigma, the trauma and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I think I'd like to start at the beginning. First of all, tell me, did you always want to be a mom? I asked this question because for me, I always knew from the, like, I, I don't know from, I don't know from when, but I think I always knew that I wanted to be a mother. It was the one thing that, um, I looked forward to, mm -hmm. like, I wanted to be a, a young mother. I wanted to be a mother as early as 22 or even 23. Wow. <laughs> so I always wonder if there's anybody else who feels the same. Did you know that you always wanted to be a mother? I've always wanted to be a mother, but later on in life, not, you know, in the 20s. Yeah. And it happened in the 20s. And I love it. But I've, it's something that has been on my path and on my journey and in my intentions as well. But it happened sooner than expected. <laughs> okay. So if my daughter, if she watches this one day, she mustn't think I didn't want to have her. <laughs> I wanted to have her. But later on in life, it's just that obviously then God has other plans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And since we're talking about the topic of miscarriages, mm -hmm. when did you experience your first miscarriage? Okay. I experienced my first miscarriage. It was in 2015. Yes. Actually... July 2015, and I went through another one in December 2015. So they were like literally six months apart. Apart, yeah. Yeah, the first one was, it was still quite early, and it happened very sporadically. I had just found out the week before, and okay, it was like, wow, I'm actually pregnant. And then a week later, I miscarried in the shower, you know, and it was wow. just one of those, like, it happens. Yeah. And then me being me, then just, made a couple of phone calls, and then went to work, dropped my daughter off at school, <laughs> went to work. <laughs> and my mom calls me, she's like, hey, you're supposed to go to the doctor, you know. And I'm like, it's already happened. You know, I, I flushed yeah. the products of conception. It's already happened. And 
Then she said to me, no, but you need to go to the doctor so they can check if yeah. everything is out, you know. So then, yeah, I was just like, okay, fine, I'll go to the doctor, I'll go to the doctor. Proceeded with my day as usual. Wow, okay, so yeah. my experience was very different. My experience of my first miscarriage, mm. it, yeah, it was totally different. So I didn't know that I was having a miscarriage. So it was, it was very early at around like two months, mm. you know. So I was going about my day, I was at work, it was a new job that I had just started. It was actually my very first job. Oh wow. And then I realized that I was spotting and I was feeling a bit of pain. Mm. But for some reason it didn't register that it was a miscarriage. I thought maybe it's pain that comes mm -hmm. with being pregnant. You yes. know, first pregnancy, what do you know? And then I told one of my work colleagues that I've got this strange pain and I'm seeing a bit of blood. And I could see the panic in her face. She was an older lady. And I could just see the panic written all over. She's like, you have to go to the doctor now, mm. you know? And then I went to the doctor. The doctor wasn't there. There was just a nurse. And this nurse was an older woman, this older, very harsh lady who was like, you're pregnant and you're saying you're sporting. So why are you coming here all by yourself? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know? And yeah. like she said a lot of things, but I could see that she was implying that I was I, I was aborting. Yes. So yeah. I could I could mm. just see that this person, like, what is going on? Anyway, she called the ambulance for me and the next thing I knew I was in hospital. So that was my very first experience very of first a miscarriage. Yeah. Mine was the first one was it was traumatic, but the thing is, I think the way I went about it was in a very calm, like, okay, you know, it's happened. Until until I went to the doctor, I actually yeah. went to the clinic because my mom said, go to the clinic and find out. That, that's for me where the trauma began. Because I get to the clinic, um, firstly, they don't have pregnancy tests. So I had to go and buy my own pregnancy test and come back. And then when I do the pregnancy test, it comes out, it was a very um, faint line. Mm. And where the trigger started was when I was told that maybe it's a phantom pregnancy. And I'm like, it is not a phantom it's pregnancy. A phantom I, I had confirmed I was pregnant yeah. and I miscarried on the Wednesday. The product of conception came out of my body. I went through the, the pains, you know, the bleeding. Yeah. yeah, and it came out and I flushed, you know, I, I got yeah. rid of it. But I did not imagine myself being pregnant. So that's number one. That yeah. thing of uh, it's a phantom pregnancy. So I'm here and there is a faint line. So you try to say that I was not pregnant or I imagined myself to be pregnant. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. That's where the trauma started and the blood tests, all the things that you have to do. Then the reality kicks in that, wow. Yeah, you actually just lost a baby. You actually just lost yeah. a baby. And, you know, just the conduct of the medical staff. Yeah. I mean, for me, other than the nurse that thought I was having an abortion. Mm. When I got to the hospital itself, the treatment was, yeah, it was yeah. horrible. Like it was traumatic. You know, if there's one thing that forced me to get medical aid, mm. it was that experience. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going back to public hospital again. Mm. Like, like no disrespect to anyone who still has to go to public hospital. But for me, that experience was like, uh -uh, no, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Because I remember being there and screaming, I was very young, mm. screaming because the pain was just, yeah, it was crazy. Mm. And the nurse was telling me to shut up, like, hey, hey. listen, 
like just shut up (laughs) why are you crying why are you screaming there's nothing you can do and then there was this uh, young asian doctor and she examined me and then she's like oh she wasn't even talking to me she was Mm. talking to the nurses she's like oh something 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 medical language abortion so i just heard that word and i'm like no i'm i i didn't Get an abortion, guys. Wow. Fine, it's okay to get an abortion. It's all a matter. It's a matter of choice. But in this case, I did not get an abortion. Mm-hmm. I really wanted this baby, and then she snapped at me. She's like, "No, that's just medical language. It just means a miscarriage." Wow. She was wow. so cold, wow. and I was like, "Is this how people are treated when they are going through something that is so traumatic?" Yes, you know? and the thing is, I think for them, for the medical staff, they. They because they go through this on a day to day basis. On a day to day, they lose yeah. the element of empathy yeah. towards the people that are actually yeah. going through this physically. Because I, you know, imagine being told that, yeah, um, you're screaming, you're making too much noise, or there's a phantom pregnancy, and when you're in a state of trauma, mm. how does that make you feel? And it belittles your experience, in my personal yeah. opinion, because you've come there to get assistance. But then they are belittling your experience, your pain, and the trauma that you're going through. Because yeah. on that side, this is they're used to this. It's, you it's know? life as usual. It's, it's life as usual. You know, business as usual. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's... another one that's coming into the system. We're going to clean you out and then what? Yeah. You go home and you recover. You know, the other thing that I remember afterwards, like after I had gone back home, is someone asking me so oh why why were you hiding the pregnancy anyway this wasn't my parent this was just someone in the family (laughs) who felt they had the right to ask me why i had been hiding the pregnancy anyway i'm thinking surely as a family member that's Mm -hmm. not how you should be reacting so how was your experience with family members with family i was fortunate to have support from my mom and my sisters because they, you know, we, we women, so we could relate. So that's why my mom initially said, you know what, go to the doctor, go and get yourself checked out. And then she was actually in town and she said to me that if you need to go in for a DNC, um, I'm available, I'll stick around, you know. So I just said to her, no, it's fine. But the, that first one, they were very supportive because it was, it was shocking to me, mm. you know. It was like, wow, I actually lost a baby, yeah. you know. So they were very empathetical to me. And even my colleagues at work, because I remember I called my boss and I told him and he's just like, you know what, booking you off for the week, stay home and recover. Don't come to the office, get off your phone, get off everything and just be still, Yeah. you know. Yeah. So that support was there. And I had some colleagues of mine that were also helping with the pickups and drop-offs of my yeah. daughter at school because that was another thing, you know. You have to, you're going through this and then there's a small child as well who does not understand why mommy's not her usual Self, so support was there for me. I, I don't want to lie yeah. in that regard. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I also had lots of support from the immediate family, mm. but I feel like sometimes people are very intrusive. People who are yeah. not in the immediate family, mm. they feel so entitled to information and they feel so entitled to saying and making comments yes. that are not appropriate for mm. someone who's going through mm. something like that. But I, I would also say that support from my immediate family was also very, like it was there, mm. even like from my father, who is, you know, with men, usually it's like, ah, men will maybe, you know, hide their emotions, emotions and be removed. Yeah. But with him, he was not distant. He was actually very much supportive. But, you know, I'm also thinking just 
in terms of so you're saying that your colleagues were were supportive yes. your work colleagues yes. so i remember very well that with me well with the first one it was a new job and i didn't last long in that job i mm. think soon after that i left the job mm. but with the second the third and the fourth one like i was in this like working for the same company so mm. i was in the same job for the other three and i remember my colleagues being very supportive because i remember with the second one I went into hospital, like fell asleep at some point, and the next time when I woke up, I was surrounded by a group of oh people, and it was all my colleagues. Oh wow! But then, on the other hand, I felt that it became too much because mm. I remember by the third one, I was like, "Guys, please don't come and see me in hospital. Mm. <laughs> I really just want to be alone," mm. you know. And like, is it the same for you? Do you feel like maybe sometimes when you go through something like this, you want just to be alone and be left alone and or who, do you prefer to have people around you? Sometimes I prefer to be alone because even though you have people around you, they will, you know, like, you'll conceive again. Those comments. Get, we get have to talk it. about those yeah, comments. Yeah, no, we're going to get there. Get <laughs> over it. You know, um, it's a sign that you can actually have kids. Yeah. So then at least you already like, have another child. Yes, yeah. I'm just like I don't need to hear that. Yeah. I need to mourn this one, you know. And even with col- colleagues as well, some were just like, no, man, no, you can try again next time. And it's not a matter of you can try again next time. It's a matter of let's deal with what just happened. Yes, because I've just, just lost, lost one. Yeah. Yes, you know. And um, with the second, with my second miscarriage, it was a bit more intense because it was far, further on. And I had to now go into hospital for a DNC. And for me, that was traumatic. That was very traumatic. And, you know, people were, you know, you'll get that thing of what you should have waited. You can't conceive immediately. And unfortunately, it just happened. Yeah. You get that. But it was so traumatic from the hospital in, from at the hospital to actually what was going on in my life at that point in time. And I was, again, fortunate to have the support of my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, and my aunts, you know, who actually helped me through because it happened in December, just before Christmas. And I was still going to work. I was still going to work. The day before I had to go in for my DNC, I was submitting scripts to our exams office. And then after that, I had to go and book my hospital um, bed for the following day. My mom drove through. Following morning, we went. Um, got the TNC done, and the manner in which number one was woken up, you know, I was just in another state, and mm. the only thing I remember saying was, "I want my mom. Yeah. I want my mom," because yeah. I don't understand why you had to be so harsh. No, you'll 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 be fine. You'll get over it, you know. And it's something you just do not get over. Mm. And my mom came, and you know, I remember I broke down. I completely broke down because I'm like, it's the second time in a row, you mm. know, why? And she just, you know, kept on comforting me and she stuck it out with me. My older sister actually took my daughter in at that point in time and she was she kept her busy while I was recovering and went in for my follow-up three days later, got the feedback from the doctor that, no, the fetus was just a normal fetus. Um, there was no, well, no abnormalities, as they would put it. But the thing is, because it, I kept on delaying, you understand, for the DNC, the fetus was actually starting to decompose inside of me. Yeah. Because I kept on, we, I went, and there was, the first time there was no heartbeat, and thought, no, man, there'll be a, se- a heartbeat the second time. 
and still no heartbeat. And I went to the doctor that I went back to the doctor that initially had written my daughter off with the very first pregnancy. I had written my daughter off as a threatening miscarriage. And he had said to me, no, you're going to miscarry. And I went and got, went to another doctor who threw, who saw me through my pregnancy. But now I went back to this one because I was like, you're my last hope. You understand? Mm. I trust you, you're my last hope, even though you had made a wrong judgment on my daughter, but I'm going to go back to you. And when I went to him, he was like, it sorry, is it, it is. is what it yeah. is, you know. And yeah. he, and I think what was the ironic thing was that he asked me what happened to this pregnancy. And I'm like, she's actually three years old now. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he felt so bad. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I just needed that confirmation that, yes. Yeah. So... All that time was it was delaying, delaying, delaying until the DNC. He did the DNC, and when the fetus came out, yes, it was starting to decompose. You know, and how many months was it? It was it was about two months going towards borderline three. Mm, you know, yeah. And for me, it was just one of those like, okay, it's another one done. But that second one shook me up. Yeah, it's yeah. For me, the second one also really yeah. shook me up because with the first one, I was told that oh, these things happen, you know. Usually, mm. at two months, yeah. like there's no, we can't even give you a reason for mm. it. Mm. But now with the second one, I went all the way to eight months. So this wasn't even a miscarriage anymore. This was now like a stillbirth. Oh my god! And then, so what's frustrating for me? What was frustrating then, and even now, when I think about it, is. I never really got to understand the why, mm. you know, mm. because with the second, with the first one, they said, oh, well, these things happen. Yeah. With the second one, it was probably maybe, oh, your blood pressure was high. Mm. With the third one, it was, oh, the umbilical cord was around. So, like, there was never one consistent reason mm. that the doctors could deal with. with yeah. And I think that makes it even more difficult because we... So many times we want to have a reason. Mm. We want to know why it happened. Yes. But sometimes the reasons are There's just no, not... There are no reasons. They just you know, don't make sense. They don't make you sense. Know? And you get told, you know, because the common reason that I got given was that, no, you know, there's usually abnormalities and this is nature's way of discarding, um, you know, uh, a child that was going to struggle in life and everything. You know, nature has a way of working things out. And for me still, it was not good enough because I want yeah. to know... And I did not have any high blood pressure. I did not have any any issues with my body. But they used to attribute, because people would say to me, you're a hard worker, you're always working, you're always busy, you don't rest. And that's why um, these are happening, because you do not rest. Your body's always under, you know, it's always busy. And I'm just like, but I know women that are working that are... It doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. Think of the women in the village it, who have to carry, carry water, water, who have to go to the Baba fields, who have to do this. And everything. And so it, it doesn't it make doesn't sense. It doesn't make sense. And yeah. it was frustrating because then eventually what I felt, I don't know if you got the same experience, where it was eventually blamed on you. Yes. Because yeah. it would be blamed on the fact that, like, for me it was the fact that I'm always working, I'm always busy, I'm always this and that, I'm always this and that. And I'm like, okay, so you're holding me accountable for the loss of my pregnancies. Yeah. You, you blame nature and then you go and blame me. Me, yeah. You know, yeah. there is no, there's just no gray spaces, other black <laughs> or white. Yeah. You know, and so I have to now feel guilty about the loss that I've just gone through. 
and then mother nature where she's sitting and god where they're sitting they also have to take the blame yeah and you start questioning so many things because i remember questioning like did i really take my medication my blood pressure medication the way Mm. i was supposed to did i really spend too much time at work did i you then go back and you start and and you're like maybe when i had the first pain maybe the maybe then the baby was alive Mm. if i had gone into the hospital at that moment when i felt the very first pain maybe the baby would have been saved. So the guilt comes in so many layers. People don't realize that, that the more you keep on probing, the more you keep on blaming and discussing it and questioning, the the person that's going through it feels victimized because I've just gone through this and now you're giving me all these thousand reasons and most of the reasons are because of me understand so that guilt it it's it it has a huge effect on you and i went for counseling straight after um it happened the second one happened and i i, I had one one session with the counselor <laughs> and he told me was he was he just said you know what you're very strong and you need to learn to be vulnerable because you're running so many things at the same time and everything. And you've gone through this miscarriage. You've gone through the first one. You have the curse of strength. That's what he said to me. And I'm just like, I'm here to deal with the trauma, not to be told that I've got the curse of strength. Of strength. But yeah. he's like, you, you, you are strong. You are strong. And I hate that. I hate it when people say you are strong. Strong, because like, you get tired <laughs> of being strong, you know. Yeah. So he's like, no, you need to learn to be vulnerable. You need to learn to, you must mourn this. And I'm just like, okay. And also, if you're saying I'm strong, if I wasn't strong, what what? was going, what what did you expect? Do you want me to then spend all my days in debt? Like, what do you expect for me, for for me to show you that I'm actually not that strong, you know? So, because some of us don't easily crack, I guess, you know, um, it, it takes a lot to make some of us cry. So, yeah. because you don't cry, yes, you carry the anger because miscarriages also leave you with a certain level of anger. You carry mm-hmm. the guilt, you carry, you have to mourn each and every single stage, you know. But because you are able to dress up and look good and everything and go to work, go it's, to normal. work. it's like, I oh, know yeah. you, you are fine. Yeah, people are like, oh, you're very strong. You're, so, you're, what do you want me to do to, to put my whole life on hold? Exactly. And I think people say all these things without realizing the, no. like, the impact. You know, it's the same as, you know, those comments of, um, no, you'll have another one. You'll or at least one. you can even get pregnant. We know people who can't even conceive. I don't and care I'm like, well, that. it I doesn't matter. Better. I still lost a baby. baby you know? <laughs> you know? and it's not at least about it. And I remember, because it, it happened in December, January, then cancelling, then the baby shower invites are coming out. Like that. And I remember I asked my mom, no. do I go to these baby showers? Because, yeah, you know, it's still a very sensitive thing to me and unfortunately it was my best friend some of my best friends baby showers so I could not not pitch I had to be there and that's where I realized you know what this thing has really affected me because now it's baby talk you know this and that and then people ask you why are you a bit distant and I'm just like no this is triggering something no man, get over it. We're so sorry. Oh my gosh, you're so strong. Now you're gonna let's have move another. On. Let's move on. You know, yeah. having to go into a, a shop, actually receiving the invite of a baby shower, and then having to go into a shop and shop around for the baby shower. 
you know and you're there you're thinking this could have been me i should have been this far by now mm. i should be preparing for my baby's birth you know but instead i've lost my baby and then you still have to smile and wave and be normal I, I don't know what's better is it better for you to to receive the invitation and like make a choice to attend or not to attend or for you to not receive an invitation at all because i feel like if if I don't get an invitation, I feel like maybe people are already having conversations about what I've gone through and they are deciding on my behalf whether, like deciding how I should mourn and how I should react. And so for me, it was always a difficult one because I would imagine what other people are going through on my mm. behalf. Mm. Like what kind of conversations are they having? Yeah. You know, when I'm not there, are they saying, should we, should we include her in kids' birthday parties Please. or not? Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 it's a tricky one because <laughs> it's a with delicate me, balance. You, you send me the invite, I will I usually honor my invites, you know, but then I'm just like, if I don't pitch, do not be surprised because this is also not easy for me. Yes. I'm happy for you, but I also need to be true to myself about how I'm feeling. And some people would say, no, but just let it go because, you know, you're not going to enjoy life. You're not going to enjoy other people's, you're not going to be able to celebrate everything because you're making it about you. And um, my thing is that I need to be true to my feelings. And it's not that I'm holding on to the pain. I'm acknowledging my pain and I'm working through my pain. Yes. So if I'm not ready to go to a baby shower, then you don't force me. You, sh yeah. you should be understanding yeah. and empathetic towards me the same way I've acknowledged and received your invite and I'm happy for you but understand my headspace as well because yeah. this is not something that you just wake up and snap out of yeah did you ever go through any superstitions because in my family mm. I, I was told um, especially with the first and the second one I was told not to cry I was told that yeah that's the, that was the belief uh, why not <laughs> Apparently, if you have a miscarriage and you cry, mm. you're only inviting it to happen again. It it did not make sense. I was like, so with wow. the first one, I was, I was kind of okay, but with the second one, I was just, I was like inconsolable. I was, mm. yeah, I had just gone crazy, and I didn't understand why my, especially my aunt, she mm. kept saying, "You mustn't cry. You know, you mustn't cry." There's this word in our language. They say "yazila, yazila," mm. like you mustn't cry, mm. and I'm like. I just lost a baby and you're telling me that I mustn't cry. So all those superstitions and then you get all the advice about, no, you should, you should wait another six months. Mm -hmm. So one person will tell you to wait six months. Another person will tell you to wait three years. Three years. And you're like, Two okay. months. No, you can, you can try again try after again. six weeks. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you're like, so what am I supposed, supposed to, to do? do? You know, that's, that's yeah. where I struggled because... You get advice from everywhere. From everywhere. And Unsolicited advice. Exactly. Yeah. And me being the person that I am, I would go on Facebook because I'd find support groups because I was part of, yeah. of a lot of support groups. But then even because I used to have pregnancy apps. So even on those apps when, you know, there's like support groups for the moms that were supposed to have delivered in September, for example. And there's different things that they're saying Try again after six weeks. Try again after, like you said, three years, six months. And, and you're like... But what <laughs> my takeaway from that was that at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your experience. Yeah. You will try again when you are ready when to try. When you are ready to try, try again. again. And even though you're going to get medical advice, you know, and psychological advice, it's your body. Are you ready? And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't yeah. happen, you know, we still move on again. Yeah. But this whole thing of 
again, also putting time into it because I get it, they'll say, oh, your body needs to recover and everything. Some people conceive. I know a friend of mine, she conceived, she miscarried earlier this year. She's pregnant again, again. now. Again, yeah. You know, she didn't even uh, wait yeah. for six months. That and was me. I was pregnant every year for four years. <laughs> <laughs> for four wow. years. So actually, no, there was a break after the first one. But mm-hmm. as from the second one, I was Just pregnant every year. year. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes I feel like maybe people even got fatigued because of me. People were like, why is she still trying? Why is she even doing this? Because even at home, even my husband was like, why are you still trying? Like, is a baby really that important? Mm. And for me, it was very offensive. I was very offended. Like, I want to be a mother. You can't ask me why I'm still trying. I'm going to keep trying. As long as I want to try, I will keep trying. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I'll get threats like, you know, this thing is going to kill you. So now you have to think, what if I die? Well, if I die, I die. I don't have a child anyway. I die trying. (laughs) You know? I die trying. Yeah, it was... It was very difficult, like to you know, to go through the like the many questions and the judgment and being told, No, you can't be trying every year. Mm. Why don't you take a break? Why don't you adopt? There's nothing wrong with adoption, mm. but you have to understand that I have my own plan. Like exactly. I know what I want. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And now after the second one, I was just like, No, thank you. I am done. I am content with my one. And yeah. I think what also triggered me to come to that decision was that my daughter then, after the second miscarriage, then went to school. She didn't know, but she went to school and she told her teachers that she was going to be a big sister. Mm. And I'm just like, how did this <laughs> child so know? You know? Yeah. And I asked her, how do you know? She's like, no, I thought I was going to be a big sister because I've never said, conversed with her like that. Mm. But then I had to work her out of that. And then eventually it was that thing of, no, I don't want another child yeah. again after everything that I've We're been done. through. Like, I was done. But now I've got a different... I'm in a different state now. You know, <laughs> so I would like to have another child. Would you try? So you I would, would try, try I again. would, but now the experience has taught me... Because my doctor said to me that if I'm going to try again, I, I don't, I'm not supposed to work. I'm supposed to be on bed rest for three months because I'm a high-risk carrier. Yeah. You know, and people will say to you, no matter, don't internalize such things because then you'll become a high risk carrier. You'll hey, be this and but that. But you know what you've gone I through. know what I've gone through. My yeah. Even my daughter's pregnancy, it's not like it was just smooth sailing. I didn't go through that whole, you know, um, three months where nothing is happening. I was bleeding for three months. We could mm. not even understand why I was bleeding. And that's why the other doctor had written her off as a, as a miscarriage. And after three months, it all went away, you know, and... But it was not an easy three months. So there was always something. Yeah. There was always something. You were yeah. either on bed rest or you were now rushing to emergency because you're bleeding. Some days you just sit there and just let the bleeding happen. And if it happens, it happens, it you know. Happens, yeah. So now for me, it's my takeaway that, like the doctor said, if I have to try again, I have to stop working. I have to, yeah. My body has to be prepared for pregnancy because of the structure of my body and many other things. And, you know, age is also not... Yeah, on our side, but yeah, I'm just like I will try again one day in the future. Yeah. So I had a different experience because after those four miscarriages, when I got pregnant with my first son, mm. it was an easy pregnancy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fine. I had high blood pressure, but it was controlled. Mm. So I was taking my medication, and the blood pressure was controlled, and it was such a pleasant 
pregnancy wow. you know how was morning sickness I, i've never had morning sickness with both kids by the way even wow. with the miscarriages i don't know what morning sickness is you're now with my second miscarriage that that like the only thing i was craving for was coffee but the, <laughs> the morning sickness was it was bad yeah <laughs> so, so, bad. so for me the pregnancy was very easy and then when i had my second son mm. Again, it was very easy until towards the end mm. when the doctor was like, mm, maybe we need to go in for, for an emergency C-section. Yeah. But otherwise, it was a fairly easy pregnancy. So it brings me back to the point that there is no formula, right? There's no formula. You, so you can't tell a person not to try again or let a person do you what they want. After four, you yeah. have two sons now. I have two no. sons now and I haven't tried again. I'm not going to try again. <laughs> I'm not going to tempt fate. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> I can adopt, but I, I, I'm not going to try again. Yeah. But yeah. What, the other thing that I wanted to check was, did you ever have feelings of shame? Like feeling as though it's so I don't know how to best articulate it. But there were times when I would be so embarrassed to tell people about it. I feel like I, I can't really say it out. I can't tell people that I've just had another miscarriage. So I remember uh, meeting a lady like on the, just walking on the street and this lady said to me, oh, congrats, is the baby here? Because I was not pregnant anymore. Oh. And I felt so embarrassed. Like, I don't know why I felt that I should be ashamed, but I felt so much shame at having to tell her that actually there is no baby. And it made me to become very mean. I was mean. I was like, it's none of your business. Yeah. So people would ask me, then I'm like, it's none of your business. Why are you asking me? Which is, which is so unlike me because that's not who I am. But remember that it's part of the griefing. Because remember there's like, I think, seven or eight stages of grief. So you yeah. go through the guilt, you go through the shame, shame. you go through the... Like, and it's the a, it's denial, a denial. The it's, it's, an, it's a never-ending cycle. cycle. Yeah. And I think the cycle becomes... At first it becomes big because you're going through the emotions and everything. And it becomes smaller and smaller with time, you understand, yeah. as you heal. Yeah. Now I didn't feel shame. The only thing I felt was, it was the guilt and the anger. I was actually very angry. You know, Hora, why is this happening to me? You know, um, I take very good care of myself. Why is this happening? And I think even the events that were happening to me at that point in time has actually also triggered more anger. So when people found out that, yes, I, I had my second miscarriage, it was just that, the comments would piss me off because I'm like, you, you have not been through it. You cannot relate. You are just imagining how it feels, but you don't know how it feels. So be sensitive towards me. The same way I'm sensitive towards the fact that you don't understand. You've never experienced this physically. Mm. Understand my emotional state and don't rush my healing. Yeah. You know, um, and I think, I don't know how you feel about the anniversaries because remember that you, you've got the, oh, wow, I found out I was pregnant on this day. And then I was supposed to have given birth on this month and everything. So those are also very difficult for me because it was timing. You know, like I remember the one was due in May and just like, wow. Yeah. Wow, I could have been a mom to another I forgot one. about them after I got my first son. <laughs> yeah, well, now when I know they are like all gone. But you know, at that yeah. point in time when it's still yeah. so fresh, you know, you, you like, remember. Yeah. And if you've got, like I was keeping a diary of names and, you know, you know the so scans and everything. Yeah, you know? and then you go through it and you're like, Oof. ah, this is, like, this is painful. Yeah. But you know, like, I, I laugh because I still keep the memories of carrying those two beautiful angels in me 
because my daughter, I, I speak to my daughter about it now. So she's like, she asked me the other day, mommy, why is your password for one of your devices, Mama to Angels, mm. 2015? And I said to her, because I had two babies that were growing in my tummy, but they did not survive. Yeah. But they are now angels and they're looking down on us and taking care of us. So I carry them everywhere yeah. I go because people tell you to forget about it. You know, life goes on. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. So I know that I carry them everywhere with me. And yeah. it, it's, it's my way of healing as well because I know that they are everywhere. Yeah. You know. And talking about healing, so for the longest time I thought I had healed. Mm. I thought, ah, now I'm definitely fine. Especially after I'd had my two boys. Mm. I thought I was okay. I thought everything was fine. Then I started writing a blog yeah. about my experiences, my miscarriage experiences. And then I started getting messages, DMs, people asking me, how did you go through it? And people would give me their personal stories. Mm. And it became so much for me. And I realized that, you know what, I actually haven't healed. So do you think you ever totally heal? I think I've, I'm healing. I don't think I've healed. Yeah, I think healing, I'm healing but not healed. Healing but not healed because healing is not something that just happens overnight. Overnight. You mm. know, or it doesn't, it's... Like I said, remember with the stages of mm. grief, it's bigger at first and then it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because you'll always have the triggers like with you through your blog, through the messages that you were getting. Those messages served as triggers. Now when a friend tells me now that they're pregnant or they they, they are going to, they're having a miscarriage if they've miscarried, it still, yeah. it, it still takes me back because yeah. I'm like, I would not wish that upon anyone. anyone. You know? yeah. So it still triggers some tears, but I always say to them, you know what, life does actually move on. You you will see with time, especially when you start contextualizing everything. Once you are authentic to your feelings, life, it, it becomes a bit easier, but it's not something that you just heal from mm. because there's people having babies, you're going to fall pregnant, you, you know, and it will still trigger some fear that what yeah. if I lose another pregnancy? Yeah. When a friend tells you they're pregnant, what if maybe what if that happens to them? So it's still there's still those triggers, but yeah. like I said, I'm healing, but yet not but healed. Not yet healed. Yes, yeah. I've accepted. I've accepted. I've made peace with it. Yes, but yeah. the pain will always still remain. The fear will always be there. You know, and I don't know. It it gets better with time, but it doesn't take away. Does it influence the kind of mother that you are? Because yes. for me, I think I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an extra mom. People who know me know that like my <laughs> life centers around my kids. Everything I do centers around my kids. And I think it's directly related to my experiences. Because you become yeah. so overprotective. Yes. Because you know? yeah. I'm also one of those moms. Like, I'm... I'm <laughs> Not too much of a mom, but I'm a mom. I'm one of those, like, I want you right here with me. With you know, me. We are yeah. going to be best friends. And yeah. it took, what you're asking now is taking me back to when I was pregnant with my daughter and how um, one girl at that point in time said to me, like, I was talking about my first scan and she was just like, no, it's just a dot. Who did I tell her off? It's not just a dot, it's my I'm child. Like, this, this, this dot has a heartbeat in it, you yeah. know? This dot is going to be a human being. It's growing in me. No, it's just a dot. Yo, I told her where to get off, you know? Yeah. And I look at my daughter now, and that's how protective I am of yeah. her, even post the miscarriages, you know? Because it's, 
I see like you've been given this responsibility. Take care of it. Yeah. You know, nurture it. And hence, I will be. I don't want to say I'm a helicopter mom, but I'm one of those moms. I'm an extra mom. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm so much in their business. I'm in my kids' business, like like crazy. Like I'm just there, whether they like it or not. You know, it's it's one yeah. of those. Like I'm, now, I'm I'm friends with my daughter's mom's friends. You know, because yes. I'm just yeah. like your kids are also my kids, and I will love them equally the same way I love my daughter. Because, you know, um. I believe a lot in angels and I'm like, God blesses us with different kids and different angels through other people's children as well. Yeah. You know, so I'm that extra mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a, there's a story that I'm currently posting on Facebook and Mm -hmm. in one of the chapters, um, one of the characters goes through a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and I was shocked at the number of people who came back to comment and saying, Oh, I also lost a baby. I also lost a baby. And I feel like we don't have enough conversations and I feel like there isn't enough support, especially in this country or even in Southern Africa in general. There isn't enough support for people who have gone through this kind of thing. And I don't know what can be done. I don't know how we can do it. But I feel like people are just expected to go through it, go home, life goes on, get pregnant again. Mm. But, you know, know? the, the support part of it is so true. There's no actual support. And we must remember that in the diverse country that we live in, diverse continent that we live in, you know, uh, for for the whites it's easier because they support each other through everything. For us as a black woman, it's a different story. <laughs> you deal with it differently. You, you must get over it and try again, yeah. you know. So yeah. forgetting the emotional impact, the trauma, the physical impact, because remember that when, when you're pregnant, you go through physical changes mm. as well. You know, um, and then you have to deal with those things. I remember uh, after the miscarriages, I remember the milk coming out. That was so traumatic. Like, I've got milk coming Coming out out. and my boobs are very sore. But there's no baby to feed. Feed. You know, oh, the boobs being sore and then you're bleeding and you're bleeding and you get... And there's no baby to show for it. You know? Yeah. So, a woman sitting in the village... Yeah. What support do they get? Nothing. Lock them up in a room. Yeah. Life goes on. Life goes on. You know, yeah. try again. Yeah. How did you cope other than other than your family supporting you? What were your coping mechanisms? For me, I know for a fact that that was a time when my faith was at its strongest. Mm. Like, I would encourage anyone going through that, whatever your faith is, mm. be it Christianity, whatever it is, but I think that's the point when you... Like, you really need your faith to be strong. And for me, that's what pulled me through it. But for you, what was it? For me, okay, I always drown myself in work. <laughs> so, <laughs> work was a coping mechanism, although it was a defense mechanism at yeah. the same time. But I started writing about it. And I started, I, I was in touch with my emotions. So writing about it helped. Speaking about it helped as well. And w- being true to my emotions, if I felt like crying, I would cry. If I felt depressed, I would yeah. be in that state, you know, and then I would get out of it. And then also just reading up on other women's journeys as well. And then being on these pregnancy apps and support groups, that was my coping mechanism because I was able to engage with women globally about where we are, how we're feeling, and they would not belittle the emotions. Yeah. Some of them would be like, you know what, let's check up on each other, let's say twice a day, see how you're doing. You know, um, so those are all my coping mechanisms and faith as well, because we, for you to be faithful, you have to really be in touch with 
yourself in order to be in touch with a higher power. So that was one of the biggest coping mechanisms. And also my daughter. My daughter was mm. just my source of strength because I see her and I'm like, I'm grateful for this life. Yes. And yeah. let me celebrate this life. She's got two angel siblings, but her life is also very important. And she cannot always afford to have a mom that is breaking down. That is breaking down. Exactly. All so the time. Yeah. she was also a source of motivation and strength. And to say, you know what, here's a beautiful life that you need to celebrate. Yeah. 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 That's true. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. But, you know, I was reading somewhere and. Apparently, black women are more likely to suffer a miscarriage than white women. There's actually, really? it, yeah, it was very specific. I don't know if they said two times more likely or three times more likely, but it was a very specific, like, set of statistics. And I wonder why. But also, at the same time, I wonder if, like, looking at us, even in this region, if our governments interrogate that enough, do they, do they even care? Or it's like, ah, well, it's... Just miscarriages that it's happen to women, that's it. It's just miscarriages for them. And, you know, female reproductive health in our country still needs to... It's not a priority, it's right? It's a priority. Because the thing is, Nahana, you go to a clinic, you are pregnant, and then something goes wrong, they have to abort. Then it's that thing of you've had an abortion. Mm. You know, um, you have a miscarriage. Sometimes they say you have, you're having your, you're aborting, you understand. So there's still that stigma and they don't care because then you go for, you go in, they check you and then they give you the pill that you have to self-administer at times, which is another traumatic thing. And then they have to clean you out and then you come back after six weeks or after whatever, then they tell you, they put you on a contraceptive sometimes or they tell you try again. So the sub, it's not there. I, I just do not feel like we, we are getting enough support. There's enough support groups for us as women. And... Fortunately, because of the era that we're living in, in terms of social media, yeah, at least we are getting closer to giving each other support, support through mm. social media, through yeah. thinking, seeing a post and thinking, I'm not the only one that actually went through this. Yeah, You know, there's actually a tribe of other women that have gone through this. Yeah. So I think because we see all the injustices and everything around us, we need to also create that support. Because we've got friends that are med- health practitioners, we've got friends that have that have gone through it, we've got friends that are counsellors and psychologists. So I think it's a matter of us also starting to yeah. build up a tribe Organizing ourselves. Organizing yeah. ourselves, because yeah. if we sit and expect the government, you know, to give us that support, yeah. it's wishful thinking. It's wishful thinking, that's true. Yeah. yeah. If you were to speak to your friends then, when, when you had the miscarriages, your friends or your family or people around you, what would you have wanted them to know at that time? Or in terms of how you felt, or in terms of how they were addressing you, what would you have wanted them to know? Okay, one thing I would say to them is that, take a, take a journey in my shoes, how would you have reacted? Yeah. How would you have reacted? And... One thing that I always say, and I'm unapologetic about this, I'm like, you've never been through it. You don't know. Yeah. You know. So put yourself in my shoes. Just just try and put yourself in my shoes. Yeah. If you've had a child, imagine having that pregnancy, walking that journey of a pregnancy, and then you get told, no, there is no heartbeat anymore. How would that have made you feel? So that's one thing I'll say. And then the other thing that I would like them to know is, Again, I acknowledge your feelings, you know, from where you're coming from, but you also need to acknowledge my feelings 
and you need to understand my feelings because I'm the one that is walking through this. I appreciate the love and support and everything, but I am the one that is that actually is going physically through going through this. Yeah. Yeah. And you? For me, it will be mind your words. <laughs> the things that you say, whether you're trying to be supportive or I, I don't know, whatever it is that you're trying to do, but mind your words. If you say to me things like you will have another one or at least you can get pregnant or at least you can even conceive or whatever it is that you're saying, think about the impact of your words because mm. it's it's depressing. It can drive the person who is going through it to like a total exactly. state of depression so i'll say definitely mind your words and i would definitely say to my mother thank you like yeah. i'm so grateful for my mother because she walked the whole journey with yeah. me you know i remember uh, during one of the i can't remember whether it was the third or the fourth one but i remember looking at her face and from what i had seen during the day to what i saw that evening she had aged like a thousand years because she was literally carrying the pain for me. Mm. So that's that's what I would definitely say. I would say thank you. <laughs> I would say thank you to my mom and my sisters because and my aunt. My aunt is like my second mother. I would say thank you to them because they, you know, from a health point of view to an emotional point of view to even a nutritional point of view. Yeah. They were there, you know, and I, I remember how with the second miscarriage, how they all came together. Literally my aunt said, you're coming to spend Christmas with us. And the whole family came together to just be there with me mm. in that time of need, you know. And it was it was quite something, you know. And yeah. if I'm sleeping for a long time, because, you, you know, you sleep because yes, you're depressed. Because you're tired, you're yes, tired, well, your body's yes. tired, yeah. They would come and they would let me sleep and then come and wake, wake me up, come and sit with us, come and do this and that. You know, um, if they see that you're not fine, okay, fine. You know, yeah. they'll do something, but yeah. I'm so I, I'm so grateful for them. You know, yeah. even for the love and support from even close friends and colleagues as well. Mm. But I will always say, please understand that this is the best support that you can give. But please be sensitive about the manner yeah. in which you give your support, you give your support and the words that, that you, you say. Speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for this conversation. Thank this you. has been great. This has been healing for me as well. Mm. Like you said, we are still on the journey of healing. Yeah. So this has been amazing. I hope that we can continue to have more such conversations about anything that affects women. I mean, yeah. it's less to branch and it's branch for women, you mm. know. So I hope we can continue to have such conversations and support one another and find healing in the things that we we have gone through as women, young, old, whatever mm. age, you yeah. know. So thank you so much for being here. We're going to post your social, we'll post her social media handles at, like at the bottom of the channel. And for those who are listening um, on via the podcast, iTunes and the like, we'll also post them on the, on the podcast description. Then you can follow her and um, get to know all the work that she's doing. But thank you so much for watching and thank you for those who are listening via podcast as well. And until the next episode, guys, have a have a great week. Have a stay safe. As I always say to the women, stay safe. And men, please behave. You don't have to beat women. You don't have to kill women. Thank you. Thank you.